Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. So Matt, I've been getting a lot of questions from viewers. Viewers? <laughs> what are they watching? <laughs> Just looking at their computer screen, yeah. waiting for something to happen. Ooh, the title of this one's Dookie. <laughs> <laughs> They're also listening, and they've been wondering about our hashtag and our closing statement. Uh, they're wondering why basically we're all about humping around. <laughs> well, just to be clear, we're not all about humping around. That's right. It's the opposite. Yeah. You're going to have to go back and listen to the first episode, Automatic for the People. You know, as we started this journey, journey, we we're kind of making this up as you go along. I know. I know. It sounds like we've got it all scripted out <laughs> from day one, but we were making it up. Humping around came... On the fly. Organically. So you can go back and check that out and get an idea of where humping around came from. And also, just to be clear, Bobby Brown's point is that ain't nobody humping around. And uh, we're actually, hard to believe, but we're wrapping up what we're dubbing as the first season of this show. And so we'll look forward to a special Christmas episode coming up, as well as the winning I'm using air quotes, the winning album from the Listener's Choice Contest. Yeah, when this episode is dropped on Hot Tuesday, as you <laughs> listeners surely have dubbed it, <laughs> it'll be time to vote. So keep an eye out for our social media channels at Finest Work Songs on Twitter and Instagram to find out how you can vote for the finalists in the Listener's Choice. All right, Matt, I don't want you to uh, be nervous right now, but we're not alone. <laughs> Was that a horn? It's supposed to be like a scary sound. Do you, are you a ghost that haunts people with I an air horn? Pretty, pretty but much. the air horn's a ghost also? <laughs> 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 yep. Today we have with us none other than Taylor Roberts. Taylor, welcome to Finest Work Songs. Ecstatic. So happy to be here. <laughs> Taylor, what album are we covering today? We are going to be covering Elbow's Seldom Seen Kid. As the 2010s come to a close, we've been discussing albums of the decade. A few weeks back, one of the things that prompted us to cover Vampire Weekend's Modern Vampires of the City is that it's been popping up on almost every rock best of 2010s list in the top 10. One of the things that shocks me is that Elbow's takeoff and landing of everything would be in my top three. And I haven't seen it on any list here in the United States. Elbow is the best unknown band stateside that has ever existed. Too, too much? Not even close. <laughs> Taylor, does this surprise you as well that in all of these 100 best albums of the decade that not one Elbow album would be on there? No, it doesn't surprise me at all. There's always this sort of divide, I think, that, that happens there. And, and I happen to love British music, and so sometimes my favorite stuff just doesn't really cross the pond. So it doesn't at all surprise me. It just makes me a little sad. And so today, you know, we decided to do an elbow album with the hope being to remedy that. Yes, we're going to use the power of this podcast yeah. to get elbow last minute on these on these top 
album list? Yeah. So, Sweet. Elbow, if you're listening, talk to your tour manager. You're going to need to go bigger when you plan your spring and fall tour next year in the States. You're going to need to bump it up to probably <laughs> stadiums. Because we're going to be the opening act. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Us doing this. <laughs> they started playing together in the early 90s, but they became Elbow with the name change in 1997. They've had three albums before Seldom Seen Kid. These five guys were known to be a tight group. Two brothers, Mark Potter is the guitarist, Craig is on keys, but also produces the band. And then there's Pete Turner, who plays bass, and Richard Jupp on drums at the time. And finally, the lyricist and the voice of Guy Garvey is what brings them together. And we would say that it's not only their musical abilities, but it is Guy's lyrics, Guy's voice, and then the way the band all comes together to make these songs that make Elbow the brilliant band that they are. When Taylor and I were talking, it was first about the takeoff and landing of everything, which, is that your favorite one? Yeah. It's mine too. Immediately, that was the the go-to, but we thought, if a lot of people haven't heard Elbow, the best entry point might be Seldom Seen Kit. Even though this isn't in the 2010s, this is what we're going to cover to try and introduce you, dear listeners, to my favorite active band. Before we jump right in, we always like to talk about how we encountered Elbow. So Matt, why don't you start us off? What is your memory of Elbow? For me, I mean, Matt, I've heard you talk about Elbow for several years now, and I can't remember which album you gave me to listen to. For whatever reason, it never really resonated, at least at that time. But I will say, you know, spending time with it you know, this week with this album, I mean, honestly, was was really a joy. Before I even really listened to this album scene, Kid, you know, I kind of wanted to, to dive into them just a little bit and like you so what what is it about this band you know what's the background of of them and i think i even told you this earlier in the week it's pretty shocking to me that they're not bigger than they are here just based on the success they've had in the uk and and the the hits and that how well the albums have charted and and then even beyond that i mean you know seeing these huge shows they've done there and looking back you see the 2012 olympic closing ceremonies and they're all they're one of the acts on there from an outsider looking in it's, it's amazing that they're not bigger here than they are all right taylor how about you what's your earliest memory of, of elbow or of, of this album anybody who knows me i mean they'll, they'll probably say when i'm exposed to all sorts of new music i'm like you know what this is really great and I just don't like it at all. Like it's, I'm, <laughs> I don't know, I'm promise I'm not trying to be a snob, but I probably come across like one all the time. I have this really narrow, weird window of stuff that I just absolutely love where I'll be like, you know what? That's really great. And oh my gosh, I'm freaking out. And you, Matt, are one of the only people that can actually recommend music to me and have me be like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I love it. So many well-meaning friends try all the time and it usually just fails miserably and they get mad at me. Too. Oh, I've, I've gotten mad at you before. That's true. <laughs> that's true. I didn't say you win all the time, but no, that's right. you more than others. Yeah. Two of my top five favorite bands of all time are recommendations from you. So when when you told me, hey, you should check out this elbow thing, it was actually this record that mm-hmm. you told me to check out. It's one of those pivotal memories. Remember where I was, where I was driving down. And, and for whatever reason, just unlike me, I started with Grounds for Divorce. Matt, Taylor is the most album guy I know. He is wholeheartedly gonna die on that album hill so there's no like resequencing going on with albums no Mm -mm. not with this guy (laughs) but 
for whatever reason, I broke my rule. Started with the grounds for divorce, and I was just like, you know, blown away. I think it took me like eight months to even tell you whether or not I liked the band. Yeah, I do that to you. Yeah, but what my heart was saying was, oh my gosh, this man, this band, what is going on? Pull me in, man. I I feel like it was like a year or something, and I kept asking, and he just kept shrugging. Yeah, I said eight months, but it was a year. And then <laughs> and then I'd given up, and I was like, man, forget this jerk. You know, I gave him the CD. I'm talking about how much I love it, and then you know he doesn't say anything about it. When you finally did open up, it was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I really waited till you'd given up. Thanks. Yeah, Our friendship is a complicated yeah. one. All right, Matt, what's your memory of this? If you know me, you know that I'm an artist at heart, and I have spent years really trying to find my medium i worked at different odd jobs but in one of my odd jobs i found my true medium assembling mannequins <laughs> and one day i was riding my motorcycle and I, I drove by this department store and my motorcycle broke down in the rain and it was very dramatic but i saw the perfect mannequin that i had put together and I realized in that moment that I did have value. And the next morning I was walking by and it happened that the owner of the department store, there was a sign, a huge sign that was falling down and it would have killed her had I not interceded. And so she immediately gives me a job. Everybody knows the way you make good hires is you wait for someone to save your life and you just, you hire them on the spot. One night me and uh, Hollywood, who was my partner in the, um, the storefront world, we were working late. Hollywood left. And it was just me and the mannequins and the one perfect mannequin that I became obsessed with. She came to life. But she told me that she can only appear to me when we're alone and that everybody else would see her as a mannequin. <laughs> there was no issues there. That seems reasonable. <laughs> yeah. Man, people loved our window displays. And so the owner is still happy with me because I, I saved her life. And so she made me the vice president yeah. of the store. Sure. I think she taught business classes at the local college. Uh, <laughs> you know, and every night I would, I would uh, shoo Hollywood out of there so that I could spend time with, with my mannequin lady. We were really getting to know one another. Anytime anybody would walk in, it was just me and her. I, I just wanted to say, she, she was alive just a minute ago, I swear. They didn't understand. They just thought I was spending time with a mannequin, which I guess I was, but she was alive. Mm -hmm. You guys believe me, don't you? Totally. Mm. One of the evil department store villains that oh, are so yeah. prominent. Oh, yeah, they're everywhere. That, that department store mafia. <laughs> well, he took all the female mannequins because he knew that I was in love with one and tried to throw them in a, what did he throw them in, a dumpster? No, a fire. No, a trash compactor. <laughs> <laughs> so I jumped onto the conveyor belt, and as I go to rescue my love, she becomes real. Yep. And so I pull her out and I hold her up. See, I told you she's real. And everybody's like, why are you holding that mannequin? <laughs> no, you could see her now, right? And they're like, we see a mannequin. <laughs> and uh, I insisted on it. And I loved her and I married her in the department store window. Mm. And we lived happily ever after in that storefront window. Wow. And a friend of mine was like, you're really into these mannequins. Are you all about some body parts? If so, you should try this band elbow. <laughs> Mannequin, believe that happened to you, <laughs> you big dummy. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going to go. In fact, as I was driving in today, I thought, oh, man, he's going to have a tough time with this one. But you didn't. You always come through. That is a weird, weird movie. 
<laughs> the fact that she comes alive and everybody's like, oh, yay, she came alive. Let's get them married now. What is that, Splash? Yeah. <laughs> I had a friend who had some early elbow albums. My first exposure was at the same time Leaders of the Free World and then Seldom Seen Kid. Seldom Seen Kid was everything for me. They have become my favorite active band, I say, because, you know, growing up, R.E.M. was my favorite band. But yeah, Elbow is it for me. Well, let's jump right in. This is how the album opens. This is Starling. Second on my list of things to do At the top is stopping by Your place of work and acting like I haven't dreamed of you and I And marriage in an orange grove You are the only thing in any room you're ever in I'm stubborn, selfish and too old Matt, what, is it, what do you think when, when it's like, hey, listen to this album, and that's how it begins? I don't think there's a better song to start the album with than that. I wish I had come up with those lyrics, the line about, I'm asking you to back a horse that's made for glue. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's something so you know, self-deprecating about a lot of these lyrics, but yet they're really like heartfelt and, and moving. This was the one, this was probably the one song on the album that I can't shake. It's haunting and, and just, it's, ama- it's an amazing song. Restraint is one of these things that defines Elbow for me. Like you have these, at the time, five you know, great musicians, one of them since left. You had these five great musicians that could do all sorts of things, but it's like they didn't. And so often it's just like, you know what I'm going to do? 
absolutely nothing. You know what I'm gonna do with my guitar in this part? I'm not even gonna play. I love that about it. It creates so much room, and what it creates in some, a song like this is this room for for a build, and you have these tiny little tinkling things that Craig's doing with whatever synth thing he's built. And then all of a sudden, it leaves room for this incredible orchestral hit thing that comes one, in. One note. Yeah, absolutely. And that's so much more powerful just because they've left space. And it blows me away how they start the record like that. Yeah, there's even a quote by Craig Potter. And he said, it's more than, I play keyboards. What do I do on this song? That each of them says, what does the song need? So that's what leads them to different sounds from song to song, different tones, different approaches. It's not just, oh, there's that signature guitar sound mm-hmm. you know it's not like oh, there's the edge mm-hmm. his thing on every track they're going to serve serve the song and i think they do that again i'll probably say this a lot they do x better than anybody but <laughs> that's what they i think they do is serve the song i i also think this is an invitation to an album if you want to know who elbow is you don't hit play and then sometimes i'll fast forward 30 seconds to find out what the chorus is like you know, and then I'll, I'll fast forward like maybe 45 more seconds to find out what the bridge is like. I mean, it is a two-minute introduction before there's any vocals at all. This is also why people should just listen to entire albums and not singles. That's what I heard you say. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Guy Garvey, back when this album came out in an interview, said that it almost feels at the moment that we're holding a torch which needs holding up. The album is dying as an art form and it needs revival. It needs looking after, protecting our art form is the album. It's not the individual track. So you can go ahead and get a tattoo of that if you yeah, want. Yeah, it's awesome. Around his bicep. On yeah. my elbow. Ooh. <laughs> you'll, you'll hear these themes kind of as I talk about different songs in the record. One of them is the restraint of the band. One of them is the, the lyrical kind of beauty and phrasing. You know, Another is this idea of so often he paints himself as in this falsely self-important way and then becomes terribly self-deprecating uh, he does that in multiple songs throughout the record which again is dynamics and so this i mean it's just such a dynamic band not only musically but lyrically too i mean even starting out the first line of you know how dare the premiere ignore my invitation mm-hmm. i mean it's like this this cocky arrogant <laughs> sort of thing and then all the way down Turn, to yeah. you know oh my gosh all i can do is, is think about this woman and, and being married to her and now i'm just going to go where she works and bug her during the day because mm-hmm. i have nothing better to do with my life she, i'm that just whipped. Mm-hmm. He, there's not a lot of confidence. He's saying, I'm, I'm, if I'm really being honest, I'm, I'm too, I know I'm stubborn. <laughs> I'm, I'm too old. Like, but then he has these moments where she, she just turns her head and catches him. He sees her laugh. He, he feels her touch. And those to me are the horns, these bright flashes of stabs to the heart of these intense feelings that just come out of nowhere and you don't know what to do with them. He's inept when it comes to, these relationships. And that's why he's even asking, darling, is this love? Mm -hmm. This feeling that I'm feeling that only you can give me that it's just this blast to my heart and my emotions and my mind. Is this love like for the first time? Yeah. And I thought Chris Harrell loves some feist. Oh man. (laughs) We're just getting started. Just wait. Yeah. (laughs) I don't even like this song. (laughs) Second track on the album is the bones of you. Like cats in a sack, telephone burner 
purposeful gaze When out of the doorway the tentacles stretch Of a song that I know and the world moves in slow-mo Straight to my head like the first cigarette of the day Out of the gate with the chords that are chosen and then the uh, the melody, the vocal melody that's, that's happening, it doesn't just follow along with here's your sta standard major scale, here's your standard minor scale, and this is yet again a theme we'll see throughout. There's this modality to it, this modal quality where he's going to flat something or sharp something or natural something uh, in the scale that kind of is a little bit unsettling on the one hand but it kind of makes you listen and then drops back from it and you settle in again and then he does it again and it creates this sort of for me a lulling mysterious thing that always takes me from the beginning of the song to the end because I, I never stop getting engaged mm -hmm. because i think a lot of times our western ears are not as accustomed to these modalities and i just love that sort of stuff like crazy some of my favorite music is stuff that does that and so man it just pulls me in kind of end to end so melodically phew, this one gets me they have huge sounds and they make it look easy mm -hmm. and it's very simple parts that have a ton of power when we get to the next track that is clearly displayed right. but you're watching them make huge sounds on a stadium stage and they're just kind of hanging out mm -hmm. playing the music it's not like they're up there pouring sweat as mm -hmm. their you know hands move lightning fast it's they're kind of sitting back mm -hmm. playing their instruments and an amazing orchestral stadium anthemic sounds are coming out i mean pete the bassist he's even asleep for half the show yeah <laughs> he's not even playing <laughs> which <laughs> we love all of them but you know one of the things he is might like, be our favorite yeah and watching him just kind of hang out and he kind of will look out at the audience and just like eh, i'm doing my thing i think he particularly loves this song because the bass is um is a micro korg <laughs> you know, so right? he's like he doesn't even have to play his bass he's like sitting down playing a few notes <laughs> he just he looks so disinterested love it yeah it's the best this one contains some of my favorite lyrical content on the album you've got the important guy mm -hmm. going about his life speeches deadlines to make cramming commitments like cats in a sack <laughs> which is just fantastic <laughs> telephone burn so his phone's blowing up his pocket and a purposeful gate and it says that you know out of a doorway the tentacle stretch of a song that i know and all of a sudden, he's pulled back to, it's you and it's me. We're sleeping through the day five years ago, 3,000 miles away. So this guy is going through his life. He has moved on from this relationship. He has everything on his mind. And all of a sudden, the power of a song out of a doorway that he hears. And all of a sudden, he's floored and he's brought back to that moment with her, with all of the, the smells and the sights and the sounds and the, and the emotions of that and you can liken this also to another song that talks about the power of a past relationship and the memories that they have. And that's maybe equal in lyrical content. And that's Skid Row's I Remember You. Yeah, totally. Gosh. Yeah.
yeah. love letters in the sand. I mean, that is what I thought. Is I was like, he could have just said, "I remember you." Well, no. somebody already wrote that song, so I yeah. knew that. Yeah, that's right. You can't, you can't top perfection. Yeah, yeah. That's why. That's why. I will say that, and don't kick me out of here. Well, I we, found I found this to be a letdown after Starlings. Okay. To me, it may miss my Western ears, um, but, but I but I found <laughs> that's what we're it, gonna blame it on. Yeah, that's right. I, 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 part of the I won't call it an issue with this album, but at some point. I kind of want them to just like rock. Like I keep, like Oh, it's I, coming. Does it? I mean, I, I kind of, Oh, in this song. Yeah. Or in this album. Oh. I mean, I mean, if you don't think the next song rocks, then it rocks. But I mean, the, the next one for me is better, but like you warned uh, me that this was, that's um, why you're here. It's yeah. for support. Okay, that's right. <laughs> um, cause I don't know. To me, it, it, it doesn't grab me like a lot more of these songs do okay. on this album. Yeah. It's like a mid-tempo cold play to me. Oh, this one. oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Jeez. But I also don't really want them to rock out. I don't think that's what they're best at. I mean, I think they're best at these haunting, sonic, orchestral, anthemic songs. So oh, yeah. I say that, but I, I don't really want them to do that. But I'd be... Yeah, you know, and I need to obviously spend more time with their whole catalog. But yeah, I mean, I just I'd be curious what that is like mm-hmm. compared to that. Speaking of Coldplay, Chris Martin himself, lead singer of Coldplay, said their album before this, Cast of Thousands, was the best album ever by anyone who's not Coldplay. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Chris Martin. Oh boy. God. Next song we're going to talk about is Taylor's introduction to Elbow, Grounds for Divorce. That's more like it. I mean, that is like, to me, that's so much stripped down rock and roll. This guy that I played music with in, in college a lot, 
an awesome drummer, super good drummer. He had all sorts of jazz chops and this sort of thing. And when he was younger, he used to do all that sort of thing like crazy. And then he got around this old salty guy that was, you know, in his 60s or whatever. And he made him play old ACDC records just on repeat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just kind of what we in the mm-hmm. cool kids in the music world is called the mm cack. Over and over and over again until he developed this muscle memory that would just make a song move along with a kick and a backbeat. Mm-hmm. And the fact that so much of this song is carried by mm-hmm. that simple, simple backbeat with a little tambourine going in the background is just so rock and roll to me. Mm-hmm. This to me is a, a lesson in power. People would think power is volume and mm-hmm. speed. These guys are sitting back, not breaking a sweat, creating this huge sound. Even when you see them play it, You know, the guitar part comes in and it's so dirty and powerful. Mm -hmm. And Mark's over there. He's not, again, he's not shredding. Right. He's just playing this riff that that I could play. It's not that complicated. None of what they do is that complex in terms of a technical sense. It's how the pieces come together. When I think of top concert moments of my entire 45 years this just you know is one of the ones one of the top five or eight that i'll remember forever and it's it's when that post chorus you know comes in mm-hmm. and potter's playing that guitar you know at the 9 30 club and the room just explodes kind of around me and i just can't even even now i just like ah, i just want to freak out and start screaming it was it was so amazing but completely simple i just yeah oh, Blew my mind. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this live. One of the benefits of adoring Elbow in the United States (laughs) is that you get to see them at places like the 930 Club. Whereas if you're in the UK, you're going to stadiums. Seeing them so close at a place like 930, it's so powerful. And you feel privileged that you are seeing Elbow, Mm -hmm. you know, this close up and personal. I've seen them three times there. And the first time I saw them, I didn't know he would do this. But Guy comes out and gets the audience singing the the melody, but he builds up to it where he's like having us sing different notes and back and forth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, I don't know, it takes a few minutes even yeah. and gets everybody warmed up and singing. So by the time they jump into it, you're like, oh my gosh, you're all go. in at that yeah, point. Yeah. You look up and that's one thing I love about them. When I say that they're not exerting effort or they look bored or anything, these guys seem like they are the best of friends, mm-hmm. that they love their life. They've been together for 30 some years. Yeah. They are there for one another. They're smiling. I mean, they're stoked to be there, mm-hmm. definitely. So I don't mean to make it sound like they're disinterested. Right. Although Pete... Pete's asleep. Pete's asleep. <laughs> but you could tell like they're smiling and they love the fact that we're singing yeah. along. Saints, forgetting his name, I have an 
he breaks a lot of appointments. He does. <laughs> he's kind of unreliable. Yeah. When it comes down to it, I mean, in, in every song he's talking about, basically how he's been entrusted with a great deal of responsibility with very important people. Yeah. Yeah. Pope's not gonna uh, be happy about this one. Nope. One of the things I love is when they get to the the kind of guitar and bass kind of solo in the middle of the song, and it's just like banging out a couple of notes at a time. There's no flashiness to it, mm-hmm. and it's almost crude and kind of rough and a little bit off. And then the the piano that backs up the guitar solo is just Craig on on the piano going dang 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 <laughs> dang in the same note over and over again. I'm like, how is this so magical with like yep. just the crudest you know kindergarten approach? And I was and then I don't once I'm like. I could do this. I could write music like this. And then I, I try to do something like that. I'm like, oh, this sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. it, almost, it almost sounds like a, a kid's piano. Yeah. Too. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's got that sound to it. Yeah, that plinky sound. Mm-hmm. Yep. But somehow, the the amalgam of mm-hmm. it is is way greater than the sum of its parts. To your point again, what serves the song? Mm-hmm. All right. Next one, The Loneliness of a Tower Crane Driver. Is he breaking appointments because he's up on a tower crane <laughs> right. and he can't get yeah. down to meet the Pope? <laughs> the, yeah. Oh, that excuse again. <laughs> I was up in my tower crane. I couldn't make it down in time. No, from a... Do you know what it's about? No, I just have how I interpret it. But if, if there's a thing All that right. it's about, no. I want to hear how you interpret it. I mean, you think about how that person often views the world, I would imagine, and they see 
everything, but they're completely disconnected from all of it. Yeah. And the very first line in the song, got to get out of TV. And those times, you know, when you're sitting on the couch and you're zoned out mm-hmm. and you're nothing, you're completely watching everything that's happening in the world, have access to everything, and you're connected to absolutely none of it. And you can impact none of it. Yeah, Absolutely. And you know you gotta you gotta move you gotta move on from that somehow because yeah. it's just too easy the way life is just to be stuck in that. But and on the one hand, while you can see everything, not being connected is just the loneliest, awfulest feeling. It seems that relational connection, whether it's with a group of people, a good friend, as we'll talk about, or just other people in general, is extremely important to him. It's it's all throughout the album, even to the detriment of a meeting with the Pope. <laughs> Yeah, and, and this the theme goes across multiple records too. Yeah, there's there's songs about friends on all the records. Yeah, this is a good example of the song relating to the lyrics. You know, this idea of a tower crane. It's a combination of the slow movement of some of the notes. You see a big tower crane swinging <laughs> around. Mm-hmm. You know, very slowly, combined with that metallic percussion mm-hmm. that sounds like hammers and building mm-hmm. and a construction site. And then even the echo or the, the reverb on his voice seems to be more pronounced here than mm-hmm. in other tracks mm-hmm. that there's so much space going on. You feel like you're looking up at a tower crane or you're in the tower crane looking down. Or if you were to hear a guy in up in the tower crane sing, singing, that's, that's yes. what it would sound like to you on the ground. That far away. That far yeah. away. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting and really cool. Growing your own brambles sounds like a super hipster thing to do. <laughs> it's like you're a forager. Uh, what have you been up to? Man, I'm nothing. I've just got my bramble garden going. <laughs> we don't say bramble over no, here. We don't. We don't really mm-hmm. talk about brambles. I feel like, is that, is that a Winnie? The, I mean, I think in Winnie the Pooh, they talk about brambles. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is this song about Winnie I the Pooh? I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's about Eeyore. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Eeyore's just drinking way too much. Well, and then, and then Pooh Bear's got his like 
fermenting honey stash. He's got mead mm-hmm. over here. Yeah. yeah, and who knows what Tigger's on? I Seriously. think we all know what Tigger's on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know that uh, Rue is way too old to be in Kanga's pouch, but she, it's her cover because that's where she keeps her stash is in that pouch. Everybody goes to see her. <laughs> this is another, the song was another one where I love the piano progression in mm-hmm. the song. It's simple, but it, it, it draws you in and catches you every time. Yeah. The love for a friend is just, is so evident in the song. Just, man, there's just such an intimacy the way he speaks about you know this buddy is if you've ever got a friend that's got through been going through something hard where they're just making the same terrible decisions over and over and over again you would do everything you can to help them and you just you're just stuck you know yeah i mean i think it captures so much of that emotion but you're still trying to build a hedge around that person and protect them from themselves and from others who would enable that i mean it's just to me it's just absolutely absolutely beautiful yeah. It so is. sad though. It is. Even the understanding that he has that I think when he's drinking, he's drowning some rye. Mm-hmm. He is able to empathize. He's not angry with this person. He's heartbroken. He, he knows that it's from pain mm-hmm. and that he can't reach that. And so really it's almost, this is the only way he can deal with that is to, to sing, to sing this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it's not, it's not a, the most complex of, of songs. I mean, even, you know, musically uh, or lyrically. I mean, it's only a few words in the whole song. It's really not very long at all. There's just a couple stanzas, uh, but the impact, the emotional impact, I think is just well captured. I know that around the time, the release of this album and the recording of this album, that they had lost a friend uh, named Brian Glancy, who was a fellow musician, a friend of theirs. And the nickname of Brian was Seldom Seen Kid, given to him by Guy's father closing track is about him and even that idea of the seldom seen kid uh, that, that plays throughout i'm not positive but it seems that this song would have that similar if not directly about brian i don't know how brian died but the idea of a friendship being so important and this maybe even tight-knit community that they had and close friendships that they had seems to be another theme that goes throughout to actually do a quick little feedback loop and go back to the earlier song where it says, you know, one day we'll be drinking, um, you know, we'll be drinking to the seldom seen kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Starts out the song saying we'll be drinking to the seldom seen kid. The mm-hmm. last line is we'll be drinking with the seldom seen kid. Mm-hmm. Even this kind of longing for a reunion uh, of a coming back together. And how many bands are there that have, you know, essentially the same original members for 25 years or whatever. I mean, that's, it, there's serious depth there. Yeah. 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 Final song that we're going to cover is one of their most well knowns, One Day Like This.
you know, at 45 with a wonderfully faithful wife who's amazing to me, I find myself doing the same thing that a lot of old folks do where I tell the same stories over again and mm-hmm. I drive by the same yeah. place and I'm like, oh, there's that place. Remember when that thing happened? And, and the kids are like, oh my gosh, dad. You know, <laughs> and Claire's like, yeah, we remember the thing that happened at that stoplight. Right. Yes, we yeah. know. And I'm repeating everything and Claire's laughing politely, you know, yep. at repeats. Yep. This idea of, of someone aging and, and growing with me and then the perfection of that and the brightness that comes mm-hmm. with that realization to me, all weather analogies aside, it's just, it just really resonates with me personally. I said earlier, like I, I think of Starlings as like the uh, like a wooing kind of song, like at the beginning of a, a relationship or wanting to start a relationship. It's a, it's a bookend to to the story. I could I could see where this would be like dancing to this at our wedding. Yeah, and it's interesting, and I think quite you know brave to put such a powerful song right near the end of the record. You know, yeah. If I'm convincing people to like Elbow, and I have one song, it's this one. If I'm just introducing them Mm -hmm. to it, you know, it's this one and it's grounds for divorce. But as we've said, to like Elbow, you really need to sit down with an album. Taylor, just thanks for taking time to talk about your love for Elbow with us. Absolutely. No, it's it's cool. As a fan of this podcast to be invited, it's pretty awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. As this episode is released this week, you'll have a chance to vote on the Listener's Choice album. My friend JM went ahead and put Creed in the mix. Uh, I knew someone would. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, actually looking forward to our, our special Christmas episode. Next time will be that Christmas episode. But until then, like Bobby Brown, we hope you keep humping around. Our theme song is by the incredible band Medium Heat. This track is called Radio, and you should check them out at mediumheat.bandcamp.com. And check out any upcoming shows if you are in the Raleigh area. They are on Facebook at Medium Heat Music. <laughs> <laughs>